0: So this morning, um, I'm going to be talking about what it means to live in the Spirit, to have a life in the Spirit, to live life in the Spirit. But before I get into that, I want to quickly clear up some confusion that you may have on who the Holy Spirit is. Now, this is not a uh, Bible college course. I'm not going to unpack all of the uh, things that we've uh, learned and understood about the Holy Spirit. This is going to be very basic and generic, but I hope to clear up some confusion. Because I think for so many of us, the reason we don't engage in this powerful dynamic of who the Holy Spirit is, is because we're kind of like these early followers of Jesus that uh, in, in Acts 19, they come to faith in Jesus. Paul shows up and he's talking to them and he says, now, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They said, no. And this is what they actually said. They said, no, we have never even heard of the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid that so many of us don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, therefore we can't live life in the Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? Here's the first foundational truth, and we're going to just touch on three biblical foundational truths of who the Holy Spirit is. The first is this, the Holy Spirit is God, period. He is God. So the way we understand God is that He is a trinity. He has uh, he is triune in nature, the triune Godhead, if you want to get really fancy. But it just means that God has uh, eternally existed as three distinct persons who live in perfect unity and make up the one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, who manifest here on earth He came in the form of the, the man we know as Jesus Christ, and God, the Holy Spirit, but they have—they're co-equal. One isn't a higher God. We don't believe there's three gods. We believe there's one God with three uh, three distinct persons who make up one God. We don't believe that there is one God who just shows up in different personalities. We there are three distinct individuals who live in perfect unity that exist as what we know as God. Um, now I know you might be thinking that is a wee bit hard wrap my mind around. And, uh, and, and it is. And anyone who tells you, no, 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 it's easy. I, let me explain it to you. I've got it all figured out. Uh, here's my encouragement to you. Put your hand on your wallet and run They're after your money. Um, because nobody fully understands how this works. And here's why. Because in the Bible, while God reveals himself that way, it's more of a declaration than it is an explanation. He says, this is who I am. And we have to accept it by faith. And if we have to accept it by faith, it means that there is a mystery about God. There is something that is beyond our comprehension, and that's a good thing. Because if you have a God that you can completely wrap your mind around, and your intellect around, and you can understand fully, I don't care how smart you are, that makes him like a very small God. And we don't serve a very small God, we serve a very big God. And so there's some mystery in that, of how that works. Um, But It is revealed to us, that truth is revealed to us throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, in uh, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter one, we see this idea introduced to us. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And then it says, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. It's the very first time, Genesis chapter one, verse two, that the Holy Spirit of God is mentioned. And so, think of it this way. God the Father said, I want to create And it tells us in John, uh, the gospel of John chapter one, that he created through the word, He spoke, let there be light. And so it says the word became flesh, Jesus, God, the son became flesh. And it says everything in John, it says everything that exists, exists through him. So God wanted to create, Jesus created it, but how did he create it? God spoke. When God spoke, how do we speak? What's required? Breath. The Holy Spirit is also known as the wind or breath of God. So as God spoke, the power that created that, the, 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 the power in, in that moment was the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son. God. The, later on in Genesis chapter 2, God speaking to himself, in himself, in the, the, the Trinity. And he says, let us make humanity in our own image. Who knew his image? And so it says... God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So just as a side note to all the women, please, please, please don't ever feel like somehow you're second rate. You are an image bearer of God, the same as any male. We are both created male and female in God's image. We carry his image. We are, one's not better or worse. We are equal in God's eyes. And that's a precious thing, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are co equal in God, uh, co equal as God, always existent in perfect unity. The next foundational truth is this God the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a vague electrical field, He's not a theological construct, He's not an it. It's not. It's not like we just got to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we raise our hands on worship and we get a zap of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I got him. Uh, I got it. You know, there's there's an old timey song. Send it on down. You know, it's not an it. It's a person. Every, throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is given all the attributes and and characteristics of a person. He feels. He thinks. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. He speaks. He interacts. He leads. He guides. He relates. He's always mentioned, talked talked about as a person. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And here's the third foundational truth. The Holy Spirit is in you. I mentioned this on last week, but it bears repeating. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. There, There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you turn to him to forgive your sins as forgiver, when you lean into him as your Lord and your savior. God makes a promise. You have now entered a new covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And as a seal of that covenant, he sends the Holy Spirit to to be inside of you. This is what it says in Romans chapter eight. It says, you are no longer ruled by your desires, but by God's spirit, who is what? Who lives in you. People who don't have the spirit of Christ in them don't belong to him. But if you belong to him, you have the spirit of Christ in you. So this is not about you have him. I don't. You don't have him. I do. I'm better. You're worse. I'm higher. You're, I'm greater. I'm, I'm more mature. I've got this. None of that. We all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the, one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit inside of us is to change us, to transform us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. So that the things we say, the things we do, how we act, how we react, how we speak, the way we treat people, all those things are reflective of who Jesus is. That's his great work. He wants to form Christ in us. That's why Paul writes, I labor for you till Christ be formed in you. That's, that's the, the work of the Holy Spirit, to form Christ in us so that we would look more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's God, the Holy Spirit's a person, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, leading you, guiding you, directing you, changing you to be more like Jesus. But that could lead you to a question because you say, all right, if the Holy Spirit is God, I can accept that. If the Holy Spirit is a person, I can accept that. If the Holy Spirit is, a, is, is inside of me, dwells in me, because the Bible says you are temples of the Holy Spirit, If the Holy Spirit's inside me, how come I'm not seeing that transformative work that God wants to do through the Holy Spirit? Because I want to change. I mean, I've been a Christian for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter how many years. I've been a Christian all this time, and I want to change. I don't want to be the same lousy husband that I was yesterday yelling at my wife, kicking the dog, being mean to the kids. I don't want to be the same self-centered person that I was the day before, lying, stealing, cheating. I don't want to be that person who's uncaring, who's gossips, who's driven by their emotions. I want to change. How come I'm not seeing that transformative work that you say the Holy Spirit wants to do? That's a great question. The answer is a simple truth that is deeply profound. There is a difference Between having something and being filled to overflowing with something. See, having the Holy Spirit within you is not the same as having the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Absolutely true. But if you're not overflowing, if you're not filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, there will be areas of your life, that are dry, that are lifeless, that don't look anything like Jesus, right? Let's use this analogy, and it breaks down at some point, but we're going to use it for the time being. Imagine you have a glass, and that glass is half filled with water. Half of that glass, the inside is wet. The other half of that glass, the inside is dry. It doesn't mean it doesn't have water in it. It just means it's not filled to overflowing, That's why the Bible talks over and over again about being filled, being filled, to overflowing. Jesus said, if you follow me, out of your bellies are going to flow rivers of living water. God wants us to overflow with the Holy Spirit because when we do, every area of life, our lives are saturated with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, every area of our lives will change. So in Joel uh, chapter 2, it says this. Now, Let me read this, and then I'm going to mention something. It says, the vats will overflow with new wine and fresh oil. Now, I mentioned last week the day of Pentecost, 50 days after um, Jesus' death and resurrection. 50 days after his resurrection was Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. It was amazing. On that day, Peter gets up and and preaches a message. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. During that message, he quotes this chapter from Joel. He quotes a section that's just a few verses after this. So he's talking about the the Holy Spirit. I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions. Your young men will dream dreams. And and, um, it's just this amazing thing. So this verse here is clearly in context with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it says, your vats will overflow with new wine and fresh oil. Throughout the Bible, very often wine and oil are symbols. They're representations of the Holy Spirit. So what it's telling us is we need to overflow with the wine, the oil, the newness, the freshness, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we do that, it changes us in deep, substantive ways. And when we don't, there will be those areas that are lacking, that are dry, that you don't experience that transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And if you desire that, see, if you don't desire it, then it's easy. You live half full. And a lot of people are content to live half full lives but you're also going to not experience all that God has for you, all he designed for you, all he purposed for you. But if you live a life that's full to overflowing, you will experience things that God desires for you that you've been missing out. How come my life feels dry? How come I don't have the joy that I uh, I used to have? How come I don't uh, have the purpose that God seems to have for other people? How come I'm not just full of uh, peace in the situations I'm going through? Because you have areas in your life where you're not overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be full to overflowing. Or as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. It says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, most translations don't read like this. This is the complete Jewish Bible. Most of English translations will say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is probably the best English translation, keep on being filled. But it's a very uh, difficult phrase from Greek to, to um to translate to English, because it is the, the, uh, uh, the, the grammatical structure. It's in the passive voice. The, um, the, it's, it, the best way, if you were going to translate it from Greek to English, it would read something like this. Be being filled, allow yourself to be. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Be being filled, allow, and actually you would, because it's in the passive voice, it would be, be being filled, allow you yourself to be. So the idea is this, it is an ongoing, keep on being filled. This isn't a one and done event event. This isn't, I received the Holy Spirit when I was saved. I received a filling of the Holy Spirit five weeks ago, five years ago, five decades ago. This isn't, I I was baptized in the Holy Spirit last month. This is an ongoing daily reality. Keep on being filled. Allow you yourself to be so that the Holy Spirit is filling you over and over and over. Now, here's what we need to remember, and this is why the analogy of the glass breaks down. Because the Holy Spirit isn't water. And we're not glasses. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we're people. Therefore, the Holy Spirit filling you to overflowing has a relational component. So what it means is that to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit means that in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you are allowing him more and more and more to occupy more and more of your life. You are giving him greater leadership in your life, to lead, to guide, to direct you, to help you to control your words, your reactions, and your reactions. You are allowing him to lead you. That's what it means to be filled, to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And here's how the the cycle works. The Holy Spirit leads and guides you and directs you. As he's leading, guiding you, guiding you and directing you, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. As you follow his leading, guiding, and directing, you're filled more with the Holy Spirit so that as he leads you, you'll follow. And as you follow, he fills you. And it just is an ongoing reality that as we follow the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we follow the Holy Spirit. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The Holy Spirit. He came first. And he fills us. And then we follow. But as we follow, he fills us. So we need to get in step. We need to live a life that's pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we get to the point where we say, I want this ongoing daily filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to pursue a life in the Spirit. Because if if you desire that, then there's some things that we need to do that allow us to to grow in um, in that dynamic. And so, how do we pursue a life in the Spirit? There's two things that we're going to see that are very important. And when we do these two things, there's an amazing um, promise that God gives us. So here's the first thing we need to do: we need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with Him. We we spend a lot of time talking about God, the Father, and we should. We definitely spend a lot of time talking about Jesus, the, the Son of God, and we should. He's He's. We're named after Him. We're Christians. We're little Christ. We're followers of the way. And he died for our sins and we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Absolutely, we should spend time talking about Jesus. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we kind of say, I don't really know much about him. So I don't really talk about him. Therefore, I don't spend a lot of time with him. And therefore, we wonder why we live spirit deficient lives. So we need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. And there's two ways that you can do that, because as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, what you're in essence doing is you're inviting him into your life. You're inviting him into the choices that you need to make, the decisions that you need to make, the circumstances that you face, the problems that you're going through. You're inviting him into your business, into your home. You're inviting him into your family, into your marriage, into your parenting. You're inviting him into your education. You're inviting him into every situation, into your emotional responses, into... into the the struggles that you're having. You can invite him into your past to bring healing. You can invite him into your future to give you hope. So as you invite the Holy Spirit in, amazing things happen. So how do we invite him in? How do we spend that time with the Holy Spirit? Through reading of the Word and through prayer. Through the Bible and through prayer. Now, reading the Word isn't really the, the key. The key is listening to the Holy Spirit speak through the Word. See, we can read the Bible. We can get on our, our Bible apps. We can have our, our daily challenges and we can say, I did it. I read through the Bible in 90 days. Look at me. I would rather you take 90 years to read through the Bible, but you allow the Holy Spirit to bring it alive in you. You listen to him so that it is transformative in nature and not simply a bunch of information. So the key is listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's, it, is, it is a um, dynamic encounter when we allow this to happen. It's something most of us don't do because we, we just read through to check it off our list. This is about reading, listening, pausing, reflecting, going back, saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me now in this moment? First Corinthians, it says this, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What, we, what have we received? What we have received is not the spirit of the world. We have received the spirit who is from God. In other words, who knows the mind of God, the spirit of God, and the spirit of God is inside of us, so that we can understand the deep things of God, so that we can understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but here it is. But words taught by the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. That is the great work of the Holy Spirit. You do know the reason that the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Bible is because he wrote it. You know who the author of the Holy of the, of the uh, scriptures are? The Holy Spirit. Now, did he inspire people to pen those words? Human authors to put, uh, we say pen to paper, but you know I don't even know, quill to parchment, um, whatever. Uh, yes, he inspired them, but it was his words. And it's because it's his words, he can speak to you through them. So he is the, the author of the scriptures, and he therefore wants to teach you through the scriptures. That is the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit will teach you to understand and apply the truths of the Bible. He wants to be, not only was he the primary author, right? He was the, the, the source of the inspiration of the Bible. He wants to be our primary teacher. Now, just like he used humans to pen the words, he does use people to make sure that we don't get out of, uh, out of bounds into error, that we translate and... and shape the Bible based on uh, cultural influences or based on our own personal biases, because we want it to say what we want it to say instead of what it clearly says. So he uses other people. Uh, We're going to talk about spiritual gifts next week. One of the spiritual gifts is the gift of teacher, that God uses teachers within the um, body of Christ, within the church, in order to bring teaching, to bring understanding. So he uses other people, but the Holy Spirit wants to be your primary teacher. Fuchsia Pickett, every morning she used to wake up and say, Good morning, teacher. She was talking to the Holy Spirit. Here's my, he's my teacher. And she would just want to learn. So when you turn to the scriptures, you pray and say, Holy Spirit, show me what it is that you'd have me receive from your word today. You may read one verse, you may read one sentence, you may read a paragraph, you may read a chapter, but just read, say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes, bring understanding, bring wisdom, bring insight, bring application so that the word comes alive in me and changes me. That's what God wants. Maybe you've had this experience where you're reading through the Bible and maybe you come across a passage, a verse, where you've heard it, you've read it uh, since you know, a dozen times, a hundred times, you heard it taught in Sunday school class, you're, you just heard it countless times, but all of a sudden you're reading it and in that moment something just jumps off the page and into your spirit and it changes you. It changes how you handle the situation, it changes how you react to someone, it changes how you treat someone, it changes uh, how you approach something. That is the great work of the Holy Spirit teaching you to, and giving you understanding on how to apply the truth of God's word in that moment. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So that's how you, you, um, you invite him in and you, and you spend time with him through the word. The other way is through prayer, praying in the spirit. Now, uh, I want to bring some understanding to this, but here's what it says in Ephesians. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So there's a lot of confusion on on what it means to pray in the spirit. Um, What it's not is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift. I believe in it. I believe in the the spiritual gift of tongues. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts next week. Praying in the spirit is not praying in, in, in tongues. You can do that. And if that's something that you do, that's wonderful. But praying in the spirit basically means that your prayers are directed by the Holy Spirit. So... Uh, let, me, let me flesh this out a little bit so we have understanding. Um, so the Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. The Bible also teaches us that he is there making intercession for us. He is praying for us to God the Father. God the Father hears Jesus' prayers. Then God the Father sends the Holy Spirit and, or speaks to the Holy Spirit and says to him, tell them to pray this. So in John chapter 16, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will not speak of his own. He'll only speak of what he hears. So God the Father tells, uh, speaks to the, uh, God the Holy Spirit inside of us and says, tell them to pray for this situation this way. Tell them to pray for this need in this way. Tell them to pray for what's going on in this moment this way. And then as we pray, we pray back to God the prayers that Jesus prayed for us. And so it's this beautiful cycle. It's, just, it's, it's it's praying. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. How can you pray God's will if you're praying your own? So praying in the spirit means you're praying directed by the spirit, not your own wants, not your own desires, not your own hopes, not what it is that you think you need, not what it is that you think would be a great outcome. It's saying, God, I'm going to pray your Spirit-directed prayers into this situation at this moment. That's why in, in Romans 8 it says, and if in our weakness we don't even know how to pray, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will pray for us. He'll give us the words to speak. When we don't even know how to pray, He'll pray through us. That is the power of praying in the spirit. And when we do that, we pray into situations, we pray into circumstances, we pray into our marriages and our families and our businesses and our finances, God's will in a powerful, powerful way. That's how you invite him in. That's how you spend time with him, in the word and praying in the spirit. But there's another aspect to the uh, living life in the spirit. Not only is it spending time with the Holy Spirit, it's also this responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, promptings is a word I chose. It could have been urges, nudges, uh, just the the guidance, the directing of the Holy Spirit. So this is not when he's speaking to you uh, directly through his word. This is not when he's speaking to you in those times of prayer. This is in those daily, day in and day out, seemingly um, unexpected moments where you're just going about life. And all of a sudden, you just feel this prompting, this urge, this nudge to do something. I've had that, right? Where maybe you have. I've had that where all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody will come to my mind that maybe I haven't seen in in weeks or months or years or decades. I just feel like I need to reach out to them. So I'll track them down, I'll send them a text, I'll I'll reach out to them on social some way or the other and I'll reach out to them, I'll send them a little encouragement. Uh, Sometimes I just feel this prompting, this urging, this leading to send somebody a a financial gift. Other times it's to stop and and help in a situation that I I wasn't planning. Sometimes it's to completely scrap what I had planned for the day and and change my uh, schedule to something that is radically different than what I had Anticipated, And inevitably, when I feel that urging of the Holy Spirit and I respond, I'll hear things like this. You wouldn't know how much that note of encouragement meant to me. You don't even know what I'm going through. How did did you know I needed that? That gift came at just the right moment. I wasn't sure how I was gonna handle that financial situation I was facing, and it changed everything. The fact that you stopped and helped me as everyone else was zipping by on the highway, oh, I know there's a God in heaven. Listen, that's nothing about me. That's not because I'm this great person. It's about the Holy Spirit knowing what's needed in that moment. So when, we, when life in the Spirit means we're going to respond to those urgings, those nudgings of the Holy Spirit. And I've been on the receiving end of that as well. I remember 35 years ago, I was 14 years old. I'm at summer camp. And, um, and it's a week-long summer camp. And I remember this. I'll, I'll, Lord willing, I'll remember it to the day I die. After one of the sessions, and the speaker came down to me, and um, he said, "Hey, can I talk to you for a, for a second? I said, "Sure." he said, um, "This may sound strange, but have you ever considered um that wanting to be a pastor that you maybe be called to to be a pastor because I just the whole time, the whole service, I was watching you, and I just feel impressed that 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 God might have that for your life." I looked at him i said." Thank you. And I can say, honestly, up to that moment, that thought had never crossed my mind. There was things I wanted to be. I could tell you the two main ones I wanted to be. And I told told my my mom this. I said, I want to be the CEO of Disney. um, (laughs) Or I want to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. I never had the opportunity to be the CEO of Disney. I did have an opportunity to go to the Air Force Academy. But after that moment... um, Even though I had never thought about it before, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So that when an opportunity came to go to the Air Force Academy, I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to do. It wasn't even really much of a dilemma for me. And now, 35 years later, God has seen fit and allowed me by his grace to stand in this platform. So, um, I just there's a power in that that when we respond to those urgings, those leadings, those promptings of the Holy Spirit, it it takes us on a wild adventure. Now, um, how do we know that the, the, the urging, the prompting, the leading, is the Holy Spirit, and not just our own thoughts, ideas, wishes? I'm probably going to try and unpack this a little bit more next week. we'll see. But uh, for, for this morning, I just want to give you three questions you can ask yourself before you do anything when you feel a, a leading, an urging, a prompting, a guiding? Here's the first question to ask yourself: is Does it line up with the Bible? If the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, which he did, then he is not going to tell you to do something that contradicts his revealed word, his moral will. So you may be in a difficult marriage, but he's not telling you to divorce her so you can marry her. He's not telling you to leave him so you can marry him, but she's so much nicer. He gets me. He's kind. She's sweet. She's not aged like my spouse. Um, Whatever. Listen to me, those, th- that may be what you want. I'm telling you, God is not telling you to divorce your spouse to marry someone else. But God brought us together. No, he didn't. You're one with your spouse. That's who you're with. Now, go through counseling, all those kind of things. We can work through stuff. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit isn't telling you to divorce your spouse to go marry someone else that's just not the Holy Spirit. That's your own wants, wishes, and desires. The next question to ask yourself is this, does it express godly love? Jesus said, oh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the first and greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the most important thing we have to show people is love. So, if you feel a prompting and urging, a, a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit, ask yourself: Is what I'm about to say kind? Is it loving? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it well? It's true, and the Bible says, "Speak the truth in love." Remember that part? Is it loving? Sometimes what you have to say is truth, but you're not the person to say it because you're too emotionally invested. I've been around people all the time. They just open their mouths and say things that are hurtful. I'm just a truth speaker. No, you're just mean. Just, there's, there's got to be love. It's the greatest thing that we have. So is what you're saying, does it line up with the word of God? Is it loving? And here's the third thing. Does it reinforce a conviction? something that you know God is telling you to do or not do, uh, to, to, to an action he's telling you to, to stop or to start, a decision he's telling you to make, yes or no, a change that he's leading you in. It's a conviction that you have, something that you know that you need to, to do. And and you've already known, you've prayed about it, you've thought about it, you know that. Um, so, so let me give you an example, right? So um, maybe for you, you're you're in a job and you know, you've talked about it with your spouse. You've prayed about it. You know, you need to change jobs because the job you have, it's, it just need to change. It's too many hours. It's too much travel. It's not enough pay. You don't get appreciated enough. It's too much stress. It's too much time away from the family, whatever it is. But you know, it's a conviction you have. I need to change jobs. And, and then all of a sudden you're on the internet and, and up pops this job posting, and it's for a job. It's not even in the same field that your career has been in, but you feel this, you're compelled. You just know there's something inside of you. I need to apply for that. You don't know if you'll get the job. You don't know if you're qualified for it. You don't even know what the pay is, but there's this urging. There's this prompting, and so you apply for the job. You get the job, and it ends up being the greatest thing ever because it brings peace to your life. It brings healing to your marriage. It brings joy to your family. It may be more pay, it may be less pay, but it was the Holy Spirit, his conviction saying, you need to do and it works the other way too. It's not just something for you. I remember one time I was 17 years old working at a pizza place. Here I am, spirit filled, love the Lord, called to be a pastor. I believe all that stuff. And he, I'm, I'm, uh, it's the end of the night, we close up, we're cleaning. And a guy I knew was hanging out and we had a video game there. Um, and so he and I are playing a game, just being goofy and silly and and Uh, at 17, I'm insecure as any 17 year old probably is and trying to fit in. And I'm using language that would probably make you blush. Um, and, and this kid stops and looks at me and says, don't talk like that. This guy's not even a Christian, but man, that little word, he wasn't, he wasn't mean about it. He says, don't talk like that. And it was like, God, what am I doing? Who am I trying to be? It was a conviction. I knew I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to talk like that. I didn't want to be one way here and a different way there and someone else over here and someone else over there. It was a conviction I had and that little moment, and I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit speaking through this guy, changed me. So we need to get to that point where we say, God, I'm gonna respond to your urgings, to your promptings, to your leadings, to your guiding, to your directing. Because when we do, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit and when we respond to his promptings, it is meant to bring joy into our lives. Here's what it says in the book of Romans. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy, overflowing with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we spend time with him, when we're led by his Uh, that when we respond to his promptings, when we live life in the spirit, it's meant to bring joy. Life in the spirit brings joy, joy to marriages, joy to families, joy to your career, joy to your education. Joy's in the good times, joy's in the difficult time. But the Holy Spirit is meant to bring joy in your life, even joy in suffering. Listen, I went to a funeral, funeral yesterday for Melody Anderson. And I can tell you, I watched with my own eyes about six years ago, the Holy Spirit got a hold of her and you would watch her, her body ravaged with Huntington's disease, and yet she had a joy that I can't explain, but it's a joy birth of the Holy Spirit, because God wants to do something in you and through you. He wants to bring you joy, and for some of you, you're lacking that joy because you're not filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You're in a marriage, and you can't stand your spouse, You look at your kids, and you wish they were anywhere else but in your face. You have a career that you go to, and you make a lot of money, and you're miserable. You drive into a house that most people would envy, and you say, I don't even enjoy coming home because we don't have that dynamic, overflowing, fulfilling daily of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Somehow or other, we've convinced ourselves that following Jesus makes us miserable. There is no joy in serving the Lord. We ought to be the most joy-filled people on earth that no matter what we go through, ups and downs, goods and bad, difficulties, it is a great adventure spending time with the Holy Spirit. It's a great adventure being led by the Holy Spirit. And on this planet, while we may go through difficulties, we know ultimately our home is in heaven. So we can have joy, but listen, you can know all the right things. You can say all the right words and you can endeavor to live a life of holiness in your own strength and your own power and you will find that there is no joy in living for Jesus. But when your life is filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden loving the Heavenly Father, living for Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit brings joy, 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 unspeakable joy. That's what he wants for you. It's what he wants for me. And for some of you here this morning, you need to get to the point where you say, God, I am ready to surrender. I want to be filled, filled, filled again, filled to overflowing. I want joy in my life. I have those dry areas, those lifeless areas, those areas of my life that there is no joy. God says, let me fill you. Let me bring joy. Let me change you. Let me transform you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, begin to speak, begin to nudge, begin to prompt us right now. I know there are people here that are, they know, they know that they know that they know that this message, they're thinking he's preaching right to me. And they're saying, if he tells me to raise my hand, I I want to, but I don't want to. But I'm telling you, if you'll just raise your hand right now, God wants to break through. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He wants to bring joy unspeakable. He wants to bring life where there's death. He wants to bring hope where there's hopelessness. He wants to bring peace where there's strife. He wants to bring love where there's anger. God wants to break through and he breaks through when the Holy Spirit fills us to overflowing. So right where you are, if you would say, I want that, I want that, I want this, raise your hand. Just have the courage in this moment. Everything inside of you says, I want that, but I've hoped too many times. I don't want to be disappointed again. Just raise your hand. I I just don't know if I can do it. What what are people going to think? God changes your life. Who cares what they think? Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If Everyone would just stand to their feet right where they are. Whether you raised your hand or not, but we're going to sing some songs. I'm going to invite, we're going to have some prayer teams up here. I'm going to invite them to come forward right now. We're going to have some on either side. As we sing this next song, if you would say, I want that filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled to overflowing. I want that joy. I want to learn to hear his voice, to invite him into my life, to spend time with him, to be led by his leading, to be led by his promptings. I want that joy that comes from a life in the Spirit. Then as we sing this next song, please come forward. God wants to do something amazing here this morning in your life. Don't miss it.